Welcome back to another episode of Wickedly Macabre, your new favorite weekly podcast, I hope. I hope everybody's Christmas was good. Tiffany, did you have a good Christmas? I did. What about you? I did. You know, we had good food, good family, good windshield wipers, good windshield wipers <laughs> loud toys, but I did not get my Bronco. Christmas. Jeffrey, this is on you. I mean, I'm happy with my other gifts, but totally did not get the one that I really, really wanted. If it makes you feel better. Jeffrey. I didn't get one either, so. (sighs) Fucking rude. Boys. I got a VR headset, though, so that's cool. Hey, that's awesome. Riding a roller coaster with dinosaurs on the side. I'm gonna have to use that when I come over next. You should. So, we are flipping a coin. D, what's the coin today? Our coin is a 2014 five cent piece US. It has Hamilton on the front, the dude that the play is about, and then uh, the monument, what is that, Lincoln Monument? I don't know, E Pluribus Unum is on the back and it says it's five cents. So, we're gonna flip it. And it is heads. Yay! We are going to do true crime tonight. Tiffany, I actually have a story that's both true crime and paranormal. I know you typically do the true crimes. Let's just put it back in the Um, But I'm just throwing it out there. If you don't want to tell your story, I can tell mine. Now I want to tell my story. Okay, fine. So today's true crime episode is about the unsolved murder of Jean Benet Ramsey. <gasps> this is by far one of my most, I don't want to say favorite because it's kind of gross to say that it's my favorite true crime, but it is my most, the one that I'm most interested in. You and probably a million other people. A million other people. But I was almost like the same age as JonBenet when she was murdered. So I remember seeing her face in all the tabloids when we went down to the grocery store when I was All her pageant photos. Yeah. Big, beautiful dresses. Yep. Uh, I actually was almost in pageants. I was in pageants. I know you were. Thanks, Mom. You've done everything. I... Jealous. Anyway. Tell me about... JonBenet Ramsey. So, we're going to go over evidence, facts, and theories, because there's some theories and speculation, but we're going to start off with, it's the day after Christmas, Thursday, December 26th, 1996, at 5.30 a.m. It's a chilly 7 degrees outside in Colorado. Patsy Ramsey woke up to make coffee in the kitchen and found a lengthy ransom note claiming her six-year-old daughter, Jean Benet, was kidnapped. At 5.52 a.m., she placed a 911 call. Dee, can you help me read the transcripts? I've highlighted Patsy's lines for you to read. So you be her and I'll be the 911 dispatcher. Police! What's going on, ma'am? 755 15th Street. What's going on there, ma'am? We have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. Explain to me what's going on, okay? There, we have a, there's a note left and our daughter is gone. A note was left and your daughter's gone? Yes. 
How old is your daughter? She's six years old. She's blonde, six years old. How long ago was this? I don't know. I just got the note and my daughter's gone. Did it say who took her? What? Did it say who took her? No, I don't know. There's, there's a ransom note here. It's a ransom note? It says SBTC, victory, please. Okay, what's your name? Are you Kat? Patsy Ramsey. I'm the mother. Oh my God, please. Okay, I'm sending an officer over there, okay? Please. Do you know how long she's been gone? No, I don't. Please. We just got up and she's not here. Oh my God, please. Okay, call. Please send somebody. I am, honey. Please. Take a deep breath and... Hurry, hurry, hurry! Patsy? 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 Patsy! It took Officer Rick French under seven minutes to arrive at the Rick Ramsey house. He did an initial look around the house for points of entry the kidnapper could have used. In fact, he stopped in front of the door in the basement where he would locate Jean Benet's body. Because of that, he did not open every door. So because it was a kidnapping and not a murder, they didn't open every door in the house. Because he was searching for points of entry into the house, not for a murder reasons, if that makes sense. So if you're doing a search in the house because you're looking for a person, you would look everywhere. But if you're looking for points in which someone can come in the house, you don't have to necessarily open doors to which there is no way to come into the house. I guess I feel like that is not the appropriate reaction. Oh, I agree. The other reason that they didn't think to search this room is because it was latched from the inside. Meaning... It couldn't be a point of entry because if you got into that room, you wouldn't be able to get into the rest of the house because it was locked from the inside. They decided, John decided to make arrangements to collect ransom money while the forensics team and Detective Linda Arntz was arriving. So they had all gotten there by 8 a.m. Due to this being treated as a kidnapping, the only room in the house that was cordoned off was her bedroom, which also is a huge problem. There were no other precautions taken to prevent contamination of the evidence in the rest of the house. This goes back to what I was saying, like kidnappings or any sort of missing situation or if somebody has died even of natural causes in a private residence, it should be treated as a homicide until it is proven differently. This is policing 101 issues right here. There was also many other people besides Detective Linda and the forensics team and the two original arriving officers that were in and out of the house, including their friends and family and their minister and other professionals throughout the day. So the cops did not kick out? No. Well, all of this has just gone to hell. There's nothing. Yeah, no, this crime scene is fucked. These visitors would unknowingly contaminate 
the entire scene throughout the next three days, destroying any possible evidence there may or may not have been. Despite what the ransom note said, no one ever attempted to claim the ransom money. So John collected it, but no one ever followed through with the ransom note. No one called, no one made con nothing. Was there any contact information to call? No, no, I mean, they weren't called. Oh, they weren't The Ramses were not called sure. by ransom note writers. This led to speculation around whether or not the crime was committed by a third party, non-family member, or like was friends or family. According to biography.com, Detective Arndt tells them to do a top-to-bottom search of the home. It was during that search that John, the father, opened the door to the basement spare room. Ironically, this is where all the Christmas presents had been hiding. That is when he found his daughter's body. That is officially when it got turned in from a missing person to a murder scene. Looked like she had been strangled and her mouth and neck covered with duct tape. John contaminated the scene when he picked up the body of his daughter and ran screaming upstairs. It wasn't until 10.45 p.m. the Boulder County Coroner's team removed the young girl's body from the house. Okay, Dee, I'm gonna let you read the autopsy report. Okay. It is really long. Autopsy report for John Bonet, Ramsey. Date of birth, August 6, 1990. Age six years old, sex, female, death, 12-26-1996, final diagnosis, ligature strangulation, circum circumferential ligature with associated ligature furrow of neck, abrasions in petechial hemorrhages neck, petechial hemorrhages conjunctival surfaces of the eyes, skin of face. Sorry, it's really hard to read. Um, Dr. East? No, that's not, that's not the problem. I'm just, I have kids. Yeah. Cranial cerebral injury, scalp contusion, linear commuted fracture of the right side of the skull, linear pattern of contusions on the right cerebral, cerebral hemisphere. Subcarotenoid and subdural hemorrhage. Small contusions, tips of the temporal lobes. Abrasion of the right cheek. Abrasion contusion posterior right shoulder. Abrasions of the left lower back and posterior left lower leg. Abrasions and vascular congestion of vaginal mucosa. Ligature of the right wrist. Toxicology detected no drugs or alcohol. Cause of death of the six-year-old female is by asphyxia, by strangulation, associated with cerebral trauma. And this, basically like the summary, wow. So the pathologist's report goes on and it's really lengthy. Yeah, reading this entire thing is just not. Yeah, no, it's really long. I'm gonna try not to have nightmares about that. Sorry. You're just, she was so little. She got hit on the right side of her face, skull, cheek area, and sexually assaulted, which is horrible. But two days later, the family went in and gave DNA samples, fingerprints, handout writing analysis 
so write handwriting samples. They also gave initial interviews. They were reluctant to cooperate with police. Later, they said it was because they feared the police would not conduct a full investigation and target them as suspects easily. This, um, all of this is a normal occurrence in any murder investigation. They always ask for whoever's in lives in the location of where crime is committed. They always have the residents of the location get their DNA samples and um, fingerprints. The handwriting samples is obviously to compare them to the ransom note. Both father and son were cleared from the handwriting analysis, but mom, Patsy, could not be effectively ruled out. There's also the case of the pineapple they found in her stomach contents, which is a point of disagreement between the family and the cops. They found her brother Bert Burke's fingerprints on the bowl that the pineapple was found in, but no one remembers anything about pineapples. And if anyone knows anything about having things that you remember, that you can recall from a day or two later, this case, I think two or three days later, and adding the trauma that the family had been in, it's no surprise that none of them can remember all of the details, including also, pineapple. Also, like, give, give the little boy a break because he lives in that house. Maybe he put away the dishes. Maybe yeah. he grabbed a bowl and he put it back because mom said you can't have cereal this Of week. course his like, fingerprints are going to be on the his bowl. His fingerprints are going to be on every surface of the house. Absolutely. So there are tons of theories out there about what happened. There's the intruder theory and there's lots of physical evidence to support it. There was a boot print found next to her body which did not belong to anyone in the family. There was also a broken window in the basement which was believed to be most likely the point of entry for an intruder. Not only did they find the boot print, but they also found DNA from drops of blood from an unknown male found in her underwear. Floors in the Ramsey house heavily carpeted, making it possible for the intruder to have carried downstairs without waking the family. Yourself, get all the freaking tile work in my Hard house. Work because of the creaking. Yep. People find that annoying. I find it... Comforting now? Comforting now. <laughs> um, much of the recent investigation in the case revolves around the DNA profiles developed from a sample found in her underwear and the touch DNA later developed from her long johns. The profile from her underwear was entered into CODIS, the National DNA Database, in 2003, but no matches have ever been identified. This means that the DNA just wasn't in their system and ha obviously it hasn't matched any of the relatives or known family or friends they've tried to match it against. Right. The case has been reopened several times. In first occurred and now. So on October 13th, 1999, Boulder County District Attorney Alex Hunter states 
that no indictments will be issued due to lack of evidence in this case. You mean how your uh, police department completely botched this case and any sort of evidence that could have been evidence is absolutely bunk? Yeah, so there's absolutely no way that this case is fucked from the beginning. The only thing that I think is not contaminated is what they found in her underwear and her injuries. Except it is. What do you mean? Because the dad carried her upstairs. Yeah, but it was inside her underwear. The chain of evidence is broken. What is the difference between dad picking her, his daughter up, bringing her upstairs to a dad pulling his dead child out of a fire? So what I'm saying is the chain of evidence needed to start. Second that they know that she's there, that's when it starts. You have no idea what could have happened before then. I mean, nobody knows what yeah. happens before yeah. that. So everything in this case, the evidence is usable. It's all contaminated. It's all um, fruit of the poisonous tree, as it's called in criminal justice, unfortunately. Um, DNA sample is submitted to the FBI database in hopes to finding a new lead in 2003. In 2006, Patsy died of ovarian cancer. Two months later, officials announced that 41-year-old John Mark Carr has been arrested in Bangkok, Thailand, as a suspect in the case. He allegedly told an American investigator that he drugged her and sexually assaulted her before accidentally killing her. Prosecutors later dropped the case after DNA failed to link him to the crime scene. In October 2010, police investigators conduct a new round of interviews. Three years later, the Boulder Daily Camera reports that in 1999, the grand jury voted to indict John and Patsy Ramsey on charges of child abuse resulting in death, but DA Hunter decided there was not enough evidence to file charges and did not sign the indictment. She knew that it would not go anywhere. December 2016, after CBS airs a docu-series about the case suggesting that John Benet's brother, Burke, may have had been the culprit, files a $250 million defamation lawsuit against the network. The production company that made the documentary and one of the experts featured in the special, Dr. Spitz, had to file a separate lawsuit against the doctor in October stemming from a comment he made during an interview on the radio. Um, I agree. Don't take that shit. Their family has been through the ringer since this began. Like the press took and Patsy Ramsey and just strung them through the mud. There's no evidence that of them did it. So all they're doing is dragging these poor people through it's the mud. It's all speculative. It is. And do know if you if you have this in there but patsy ramsey handwriting matches ransom note right it's similar enough to say it's questionable so but it was also written at their home stationery so i understand how they could be really suspicious who comes what organized criminal 
to kidnap and ask for a ransom and doesn't have the ransom note with them. Somebody who's doing this on the seat of his pants. So here's what D meant with the handwriting. It's not similar, but what you meant was there are things when you're an analyzing handwriting, like strokes and the way that um, that's put on the pen and paper. Oh, and yeah, I forgot. Do you you remember like, that I <laughs> you took a class in this? I took many classes on this. Um, this is one Don't of you remember things. I used to do people's handwriting analysis when we were working at the computer store and also I've had handwriting experts say that Patsy ransom letter because a lot of the strokes and stuff were similar. Definitely. Yeah. So would you disagree with them? I haven't seen, I've seen the ransom note. I haven't seen her handwriting. Okay. So I can't make any claims on it. Right. I have seen the actual ransom note though. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I couldn't find her handwriting sample anywhere to look okay. at it. Also, handwriting analysis is not admissible in court. It's not a science. It's not a science. Just like lie detectors. Yep. You can fake it. You can fake it. I don't know how to fake it, but you can fake it. You can get false readings. Also, not admissible in court. Yep. Ramsey later filed his own lawsuit against CBS in Michigan State Court. January 2019, following an undisclosed settlement, Michigan Circuit Court Judge David Groner signs an order of dismissal in the defamation lawsuit filed by Burke against CBS. Documents appear to show that John Ramsey's separate lawsuit against the media company is also settled and dismissed on the same day. So now I'm gonna go over some other popular theories. We were just talking about how there's theories that the brother did it. Lee says one of the most popular theories about John Bonet's tragic demise is that her then nine-year-old brother Burke killed his sister accidentally and the parents staged the crime scene in order to protect him who has remained largely out of the spotlight since her death, responded to these rumors in a rare interview with Dr. Phil. When the television doctor accused him of being unbothered by his sister's death, he explained, well, yeah, uh, well, I can tell you guys, I was very emotional with the attorneys. I would just randomly cry out of nowhere. I guess it's a combination of sitting in there with these weird guys that I never talked to before and them asking me all these personal questions. It's a combination of that and just kind of at some point you have to move on. I'm not saying I moved on then. I might have been kind of on the other end. I didn't really get it. You have to stop crying at some point, I guess. There are out there claiming parents and brother could have murdered her. Rolling Stones. Can't on that though? Yeah. Okay, so if seen anything thing that indicates or has been highlighted that Burke was violent as a child. No. Beyond like brother and sister, like you've seen my kids, like yeah. they'll they'll go after each other, you separate them, they're fine. But the dangerous violence. Like what they're proposing is this this nine-year-old child 
other. Nothing, no... No history of extreme violent outbursts. What is normal for children. Nothing even as he grows older. Nothing made the headlines. You know, Burke was violent in school and beat a kid to a bloody pump. Nobody, there was nothing like that. Nothing. It's just literally out of the blue. And it is literally based off of... Conjecture. His fingerprint on a bowl yep. of pineapple and her having pineapple in her stomach. Yeah. Rolling Stones says Harry Oliva was a 32-year-old known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado when she was found strangled to death in what looked like a potential sexual assault. Given that there was a droplet of blood in her underwear, it was assault. That's just me, though. After reading the autopsy report. Um, he was a convicted pedophile, had been living in the area on and off when police allegedly found a magazine cutout of John Bonet in his backpack after he was apprehended on drug charges in 2000. He was soon released, but suspicions remained. The Ramsey family's longtime PI, Ollie Gray, once referred to his ties to John Bonet as a bombshell arrest in the case and the Boulder Colorado failed to consider him as a more credible suspect. Soon after that a high school friend of his Michael Vale stepped forward with an allegation supporting Gray's suspicion. Vale claimed that not long after the murder a distraught a distraught Oliva had called him on the phone and confessed to his longtime pal that he hurt a little girl. He revealed to In Touch magazine earlier this year that he was particularly unsettled by how the knots used to fashion the rat that strangled on Bonet were similar to those used in an incident where he attempted to choke his mother with a telephone cord. My blood ran cold when I read that recalled Vale of his troubled childhood friend. Oliva was also rumored to have possible connections to a theory that links the marks found on her body to an encounter with a stun gun. Oliva had one on him at the time of his initial arrest. While he too was cleared by DNA testing of her murder, he was recently charged with two counts of sexual exploitation of a child for possessing child pornography. He was last reported by Denver Post to have been arrested in June and held on a $10,000 bond. I'm sorry, $100,000 bond. And is scheduled to appear in court this fall. What do you think of that one? Once again, it goes back to the lack of viable evidence. I do think that having similar knots, similar methodology, and uh, having an obsession with young children, that it is very possible that he could have been. Yes. I will say this. The DNA is weird because if it is actual blood in her panties and it doesn't match anybody's that's gonna be the one that's gonna be the make or break for the case definitely if they can't match it then they're not gonna get a conviction yeah no 
literal one piece of evidence they have. So there's another potential suspect, according to the PI. He was an electrician named Michael Helgoth, who worked in a nearby auto salvage yard. Gary referred to him as a hellraiser, tied to an alleged property dispute, including the Ramseys. Possible motivation to seek revenge on the family and kidnap Jean Benet? It's been speculated that once the 26-year-old Helgoth caught wind that he could be a suspect in the case, officials found a boot print alleged similar to his near the home of the Ramses. He committed suicide before anyone could get to him. His death occurred two days after a 1997 press conference announcing that the Boulder DA was zeroing in on a new suspect. However, his remains cleared him by the DNA and the death. This one was really weird, though, because, and I don't know if you have this, but I did watch a, um, I forget what it was called, uh, but it was a documentary this year about John Bonet and the possibilities and the different theories, and this was one of the theories that they went over, and it was a theory that tied him to another suspect whose DNA had ink. I think ultimately they had a theory where they were working together and that's why Helgoth's DNA was cleared and not this other guy. Oh, interesting. And they were working together. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called. I'm gonna have to look it up. I think it was on Hulu, maybe Prime. Yeah, I haven't watched that. I have so many subscription. I know it wasn't Netflix, but in another, so these people are husband and wife. It's their housekeeper, Linda Hoffman Poe, and her husband, Marvin. They were known to be struggling financially. I mean, who isn't, right? Right. She didn't hold back, blaming the murder on Patsy, which could have been taken as pushing suspicion off of her and blaming the mom, um, which is also victim blaming. It's a horrible to do to any parent who loses a child. So far, all the evidence implicating her in the case is circumstantial like all of these other people. She has never been formally accused. They haven't tested either of their DNA. I think that's weird that they wouldn't uh, collect anybody or I don't, I think it's really weird that they wouldn't collect their DNA since she was the housekeeper. Right? You're, you should, that'd be one of the people you want to eliminate. Yeah, so Marvin was their handyman. Okay, and so they she both, was their, yeah, housekeeper. So they so were you, both in and out of the house. Wow. You'd want to eliminate them. Definitely. So there was another guy who is the local town Santa Claus, Bill McReynolds, who is now dead. The week leading up to Christmas, he was dressed up as Santa to entertain the kids in the neighborhood. He was known, um, he was a well-known friend to the Ramses, but there is, again, zero physical or circumstantial evidence to point to him as the killer. It's just another crazy theory. And those are the well-known theories. The ones that popped up over and over again. Yeah, the more popular ones. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, this case had nine different sources that I used, a lot of sources. Oh my goodness, you don't have to cite your sources I'm just saying. on the episode. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think is I the think actual story? that the cops fucked up big time on this. Um, and the chances of them finding who did it and getting a conviction are like less than 1% at this point. They fucked up so bad on this crime scene that the chances of figuring out who did it enough to prosecute them is nearly impossible. I don't think it was any of the family members. I would I would agree with you. I think the family is completely innocent. I think that this is one of those crimes in the 90s where everything, the media blew everything out of proportion. It would take theories and run with it as fact. Absolutely. And that's when it all started. Because when people saw um, the O.J. Simpson trial get so much media coverage people wanted more and so the media gave them more so of course they're going to go with any theory and make it like it's fact and that's I mean they're still doing it today and I just I feel like it's it's really sad that they did this to their family this family family that lost a daughter instead of looking for the correct answers they went and it's speculative bullshit. And then they printed it. As and fact. honestly, CBS should have known better. They should have known better than to flat out say what Absolutely. they said. You're accusing somebody with little to no evidence. It's speculation. I have not seen anything to me that would point to the Ramseys. I think at one point when I was a little more you know childlike and immature and not aware of how media and and law enforcement kind of work in two different aisles um, with two different page like they're reading information from two different pages like the media has a script and the police are starting to write it but they got like version A and the police are on version 26 Z is that Z <laughs> so they're reading from two different scripts they have two different pages of information and it just it doesn't cooperate I guess in my opinion if you were to ask me do you want to ask me D who do you think did it Thank you for asking, Tiffany. I don't know. No but one knows except knows. I think that the if, murderer and the victim. Yeah. I think that if they were to do that familiar DNA, they might get something. I think they would be able to probably find something. And this would be one of those cases where you'd want to do that. So if they were to have a familiar match say on Ancestry or 23andMe, then they would be able to trace it. And I promise you, they've probably already talked to this person. And I, it's probably somebody within their circle, but not them. 
I don't think, I, I think that the Ramseys, somebody knew the Ramseys and they did this and that's heartbreaking. It's and I, I have to, I have to tell you, like, I'm, I'm trying to put up a mental block after reading the autopsy report. Tiffany will link the autopsy report, but I have to warn you guys, it is very graphic as a parent, as a parent, anybody that has any sort of empathy or gets freaked out by just the simple idea of their child getting severely hurt or kidnapped or anything that's like anxiety producing, your child is gone, your child is dead, your child is attacked, is, is attacked. Do not read this autopsy report. I hope that this case gets an answer. Yeah. I am. Um, most of this stuff is all speculation. Most of it, while reading, the thing about reading material is that you're reading things from the media. Yep. And as we have seen in this case, the media is not fact. It is not. In fact, part of the time the media is just making shit up. Yep. The only facts from this case were what we read from the autopsy and the evidence that was found. Everything else is just speculation. And that is one of the big problems about this case. The lack of evidence. Yeah. Contamination of evidence. Cross-contamination. Contamination of an entire crime scene. It's not the family's fault. It's it's not. Who goes in? It's the police's fault. Now, we. it's so easy for us to say, well, they should have known. No, back in the 90s, true crime wasn't as prevalent as it is today, where everybody's watching, you know, forensic files and listening to true crime podcasts and getting their information from all these investigative reporters, retired police, um, agents, police officers, detectives, detectives. It wasn't like that back in the 90s. In fact, it was just blossoming. And I don't have a source for this because I was there. I'm my source. But it was just blossoming. So, of course, the Ramseys didn't know that they weren't supposed to invite their support system over because their daughter is missing. Of course, they didn't. The police should have known. And the police should have been the ones to say no. No one in. No one out. We're staying here. We will let you know when we need to rally the troops to start searching. Which is exactly what happens when you when something like this happens. In real life, that is what's supposed to happen. That is what was supposed to happen back then. Yeah. As someone who was in law enforcement during that time, that's exactly how it's supposed to happen. You're old. Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I forget how old you are. Supposed to, so I was, I uh, started with the sheriff's office about two years after this case. Okay, 98. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that was a fact at the time. That is how it's supposed to happen. So the fact that the police department didn't do that at the time is a problem. It is a problem then. It's a really big problem now. It will always be a problem. And there, I know that law enforcement are just humans, but there are rules to follow in every single case that happens. There are rules to follow. Uh, it not, is not okay. Not just that, but you can't just blame it on a rookie. No, you can't. You had detectives there. You had forensics there. He wasn't the only officer there either. There were two of them. Yeah, on you scene. have multiple officers. So it the wasn't detective. like they didn't have personnel to stand at the door and someone inside. There were two people. What's supposed to happen is there's supposed to be someone at the front door telling people, no, you can't come in. Or yes, you're allowed in. And you're put on the list. What's the list? Like, your name is put on a... Um, like a question list? No, like... Um, People who show evidence. up at the door? Yes, exactly. Okay. Of who comes in, who goes out, time, date, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so they have an entire ledger. Yep. Time in, time out, name, all that stuff. I'm That's guessing. what's supposed to happen. I'm guessing they didn't. Oh, no. Clearly, they did not do that. Wow. Yeah. It just makes me really pissed off when people don't follow procedure. I'm sure, like, the Ramseys will never listen to this episode. And um, if by chance they do... I am so sorry. I hope that this case, they figure out who killed your daughter and your sister and I hope that you are able to find some peace in your life and I am just so sorry it is horrible it is not okay for what the media has done it is not okay for how Colorado Police Department dealt with it from start to finish None of it is okay. None of it is okay. And thanks for, for You're taking welcome. over <laughs> for me t- there, Tiff. This is why people think we're the same person. <laughs> yeah, it is. I start something, you just go off. <laughs> but I... Yeah, that's ex- essentially what I was going to say. You said it probably much better than I did, because then I go into awkward mode and I start over-talking. So thank you. Um, yeah, our heart goes out to you. All right, we'll see you next week, guys. Keep on listening. We love all you guys. Apparently, I'm going to say guys 12 more times before this ends. Do I get to say it, too? Yeah, go ahead. Guys. There you go. Okay, I feel Do better you feel now. good? Yep. Yeah. It feels good to say guys a lot. I don't know. What are, what are our listeners called? I don't know. Do you guys have a name? Do you guys have a name? The Macabre Bobs. No. <laughs> guys, I don't know why that's so funny. Do you guys like the macabre bobs? <laughs> Corn on the macabre. <laughs> Corn on the macabre. That's a food. Not a people. 
Hey, but it could be a people. Food people. Stop trying to be a cannibal. I don't know why that's funny. I really need you to stop. I'm literally in tears right now. You are. It's great. People. (laughs) (laughs) I thought these hard. I can't breathe. It's ridiculous. All right. Well, you okay, guys know, bye. You guys know where to hit us up. Let us know if you have ideas on what to call our fans. We um, actually recently got a Patreon going. So if you would like to support us and, you know, help pay our, for our Red Bull, gas, and coffee, uh, that'd be cool. That's our research fuel right there and actual fuel. Yes. Yeah. It's only $3 a month. Yes. You can sign up for three dollars a month and it helps keep us going because right now we we just uh do this for free yes we do yeah so not required you can just keep listening that's cool too we love everybody you know if you pay us or if you don't pay us it's it's all good but there is an option now and uh we're looking at merchandising we are looking at merchandising uh and and we might have an interview scheduled for next year and that's all i'm gonna say also, I'm really fucking excited about this. This is another instance of Tiffany making things happen and that being her superpower. And I just don't, I sit back for the wild ride of anxiety. Which got me way more excited because now I have other people and I'm going to ask for interviews. Watch, <laughs> watch out world. Tiffany's coming. I'm coming. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.